Welcome, everyone. This is the I'm Speaking podcast hosted by Mercy Hernandez and Priya Namar. We're speaking because you've been asking. Join us for a new season as we open up, speak up, and uplift voices everywhere. And of course, all views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the hosts and do not represent any outside entities. We have a lot to say, so let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 5 of the I'm Speaking Podcast. This is Episode 7 of What a Woman Should Know Before the Big 30. So this episode is all about domestic and financial stuff. Mercy, kick it off. Oh, yeah. So I think if you've been listening to all of our segments, uh, this is the one you've been waiting for. So while they're all very important and they all feed into each other and make one big hole, I think the the financial and the domestic are key. So I'm going to talk a little bit about both of them, domestic basics and financial basics. And, um, you know, I I feel that by 30, you should 100% have these things down packed. But hey, we're not judging. I certainly know 40-year-olds that don't have this down packed because of whatever life circumstances are, whether, you know, you're always out and you work out, outside, like you have midnight shifts and you sleep all day or you're living paycheck uh, to paycheck. You don't, yes. Or you just don't cook. You've never cooked. You live in an efficiency. You have a roommate, whatever the case may be. This is not about judgment. Mm-hmm. This is just about sharing basic domestic things. It might work now. It might be something you're already doing, or it might be a goal you have once you have the space to have these things. So What are domestic basics exactly? These are household skills that can help you create a smooth living experience through self-care and general cleanliness. A few examples of common domestic skills include cooking, doing laundry, and light handiwork. You may think that these tasks are just part of your routine, but these are so important. Let me share some of these with you. So to give you a good idea of what to put on your list, here are a few examples of daily chores. Sweeping and mopping the floor, vacuuming the rugs and carpet, washing dishes and kitchenware, cleaning and disinfecting the kitchen area, feeding pets and cleaning litter boxes, doing laundry and washing, preparing and cooking meals, cleaning bathrooms, dusting and wiping home furnitures and fixtures, and taking out the trash. So if you have kids, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. If you have a partner, you're doing this. Well, not necessarily, because maybe your partner is not doing it either. (laughs) Oh, geez. Well, I would hope one of you is taking out the trash. I would hope (laughs) one of you is cleaning the dishes. (laughs) I I hope one of you is doing the laundry. But hey, you know, there's different walks. You're absolutely right, because Mm -hmm. um, I recall our last neighbor they, they didn't do laundry. They took everything to the laundromat. Yeah. And to the dry cleaner. I'm sorry. And then, you know, everything was dry cleaned. Everything went to the dry cleaner. Mm, so that's a lot of money. Everybody, everybody's different. And nowadays I have a Roomba that I call Stella. So I have to call her Stella. <laughs> and Stella does all my vacuuming. So <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah. It's really sweet. Um, so here are some weekly, weekly shorts. To sh- those are daily Okay, so remember, these are the things you should be doing daily. So daily, Mm -hmm. you take out the trash, you do your dishes, etc. These are some of the ones 
that you do once a week or twice a week. So this would be changing and washing your bed sheets, deep cleaning the floors and carpet, deep cleaning your bathroom. So when we first spoke about it, we were really talking about, you know, keeping the counter clean and keeping it organized. Now we're talking about make sure you clean that toilet bowl, that you go behind the toilet bowl and you mop back there to disinfect. Um, bathing and grooming your pets, cleaning and replacing air conditioners, filters, cleaning and changing window blinds, vacuuming furniture and curtains. So those are the ones that you want to do on a monthly basis. If you're mm -hmm. not doing it now, don't let it catch up to you. Yep. And then annually or yearly chores are deep cleaning your carpet. So that would be like shampooing and moving all the furniture and stuff like that. Organizing the attic and storage room, decluttering old items and pictures. This would be like when you have those china cabinets that are full of all the different things. You bring everything down, you kind of wash it and then yeah. put it back. So you want to do that at least once a year. Clean and organize your garage. Donate old clothes and shoes. Prune trees and shrubs. This is sounds like spring cleaning, right? Which is once yeah. a year. Yeah, you got a Maria Kondo everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for the joy it brought you at this moment and bye. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so hard for people to let go of stuff. Um, and I've, I've been like that in the past, but I've learned to like really minimize I mean, my wardrobe, my things, and just every year just donate a ton of stuff I don't use anymore. And it may be nice, but maybe somebody else could use it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to add to that uh, Goodwill. So because of the, the because of our nonprofit, a lot of people will call me. I have used clothing or used uh, toys, and I want to donate them. And I tend to tell them take it to Goodwill. Oh no, I don't like Goodwill. That's usually the response I get when they contact me. I don't like Goodwill because they sell my stuff. Think about what Goodwill does, though. Yeah. It's able to employ people to receive it, to organize it, to price it to be at the register, to help. It really is serving the community and more than, you know, I mean, it's selling your jacket that you gave them for 50 cents, mm -hmm. which is really going to help somebody that needs the jacket. And now they found that jacket neatly, um, you know, neatly hung on a hanger in a nicer environment with air conditioning where you went and had some kind of dignity while you were looking for things, because that is what you can afford right now, as yeah. opposed to somebody dumping it in a bag. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're in your 20s and 30s and you're just starting out, Goodwill is a great place to get dishes and cups and, and all if you're that 55, stuff. you yeah. still love going there and finding really fun things. So I just found a chair and I, let me tell you, I'm all about secondhand. I huh? just found a chair from the Cindy Crawford collection from Rooms to Go. Oh, It's $800 at Rooms to Go. It's mm -hmm. in the cream color and it has a twin size bed so it's like a sofa bed, but mm -hmm. this is a chair bed but it looks just like a sofa mm -hmm. beautiful 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 I went to a secondhand store it had the tags on it Priya and the mattress inside of it is beauty rest <gasps> I paid $149 what I have it I it's in the in the video that I sent you that has my puppy on it I went to Home Goods and I put a pink throw on it and it just became my chair. 
What? Yeah. So I love it. Um, Billy and I, for years, will go to consignment stores to look mm -hmm. at really high-end furniture at like really inexpensive prices. And then we'll buy quality, but we buy it cheap. Yeah. Because it was gently used. So yeah. I'm all for that. Um, taking care of your goods by keeping things clean and organized will give value to the things you have. And then if you have things, you know, that you bought that were really nice and well taken care of, you can always take it to a consignment store, secondhand store, and then make some money back on it. Mm -hmm. uh, even garage sales are great for you to get rid of old stuff and get new stuff. Exactly. And going to garage sales are super fun because you find things, you know, you would have never thought, oh my God, I mm -hmm. remember hearing about this book and they have it here for 25 cents. Mm -hmm. You read this book, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, bottom line with this first part, the domestic part is keep everything clean and organized. It's really important for your mental health and for your health itself, you know, cleanliness. And I think we all learned that with COVID, the importance of yep. keeping everything around you, you know, clean. Yep. And so I'm going to wrap that up right there. And mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about the financial basics. Okay, hit it. So, okay. What are the basics of finance? And I think this is, you know, a conversation I have with my girls all the time. And like everything else, you know, there's basics, but we evolve and things change. And, and even I was listening to Bitcoin this morning and NFTs. <laughs> yeah, things change, you know, yeah. things are just constantly evolving. So what are the basics of finances? The basics of finance includes the process of managing your money and how you make use of the funds that you are generating. Finances include a collection of areas like credit, investing, banking, assets, and liabilities, each being essential to the overall financial health. 12 personal financial, financial basics every beginner should master. Okay, so here, I'm going to talk to you about this one. And I got this by the Invested Wallet. Not everybody wants or needs to be a financial expert, but everyone, no matter what knowledge level, should master some personal financial basics. It might be challenging to know what to start with, or since a financial category can be pretty boring or broad, however, there are multiple areas you must master. So let's go to what you should master. And I thought this was just so perfect and basic for anybody that's, you know, in their big 30s. How credit cards and interest rates work, right? Isn't that something everybody wants to hear about? Yep. <laughs> so here, are, I'm going to share a couple of stories with you and a couple of little things about credit cards and interest rates. So I got my first credit card at 18, which was a small card by my parents to encourage me to do so. Mm. This was key in establishing credit and teaching me responsibility with my payments. Luckily, I was scared at first to do any real damage, but many others lack proper information. It simply comes down to not understanding how to properly use a credit card and how the interest rates work. And the keyword here is interest rate. Mm -hmm. It is critical to learn this information before getting a credit card as it can keep money in your pocket and help you help you to remain debt free. 
Yep. I, I, I do want to add. I do want to add a quick little thing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't have parents or people who support them that give them that guidance, a little credit card or something when they turn 18. A lot of 18 year olds, when they start college, they're bombarded by credit card companies. And sometimes they get tricked. My husband was one of them when he was younger, like he got a credit card and he went to town. And then before he knew it, he had creditors calling them. So he learned the hard way that you need to do research and look into things um, before you make a decision on what credit card you're going with. All right, go ahead. And I think that um, credit cards, I always compare it when I was trying to explain it to my girls, I explain it to them like, wait, like Mm. it happens just like, wait, it just creeps up on you. It's the, it's little by little by little. And before you know it, it's so much and it's so hard to get rid of just like, wait, it just creeps up on you. You know, you're having a normal life and all of a sudden um, you don't have the weight that you want. And it's so much harder to get rid of it. And it's so easy to keep going that it makes it extra, extra hard. Um, I remember when I was, what, so I happened to marry a guy that's phenomenal with numbers. He's just amazing. That's his strength. He just knows numbers and he's able to make so much out of so little. And one of the things he used to tell me when we first got married, um, and mind you, we were very young, so we were both learning, but he knew a lot more than I did was it doesn't matter what, how great of a deal it was. If you're not able to pay it off at the end of the month, it's no longer a deal Yep. because the interest that's going to add up to it, it's going to make it more. And if you didn't pay it within the first or the second or the third month, all of a sudden that, you know, $15 item that you bought for $9.99 and you were so excited that you saved five bucks, you ended up spending $10 for additional so, you know, it just creeps up on you. Just be careful, be mindful, read the fine print, um, move your monies around from the credit cards. Um, I, I remember helping one of my daughters with this. Uh, she had several credit cards when she purchased her home. So she got one from this company for appliances and then maybe from this one for flooring and, and whoever had the best deals at the time. And she opened their line of credit because they would give her like, you know, X amount off. And she found herself with all these different credit cards and it was overwhelming. And I told her, consolidate them all, find a credit card that has zero interest Mm -hmm. for X period of time. So she found a card that had zero interest for 12 months and she consolidated all her credit cards onto that one credit card. When she had the sum, the full sum of what she now owed, let's say it was $20,000 then break those $20,000 into 12 months and make sure that you pay it off within those 12 months. Because if you cannot pay it, in other words, let me work backwards here, make sure that your budget allows for you to pay that amount every month so that you can pay whatever you're gonna put on that card that you're only using to consolidate within 12 months. Because if you go to 13 months, then the credit card will charge you the interest of the whole first 12 months. Mm. And many people don't know that. Mm. They don't know that, oh, well, so what? I didn't finish paying it for 12 months. At least it was zero interest. I'll just keep paying it and it'll take me, you know, 15 months or 18 months. But they don't realize that part of that contract, because that credit card is assuming you're going to fail and banking on the fact that you're going to fail paying for it within 12 months 
And in the fine print on month 13, they're going to charge you for the interest of all those 12 months. That's so screwed up, but that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. If you don't know, then you get basically screwed. So it's so important to read the fine print and only put there what you can pay within your goal and your financial goal. And this goes right back to what we were talking about when we were talking about setting um, your goals and your your goal setting, your time management and all those great things. So mm-hmm. read the fine print, find a way that you can get rid of it without um, it killing you because this goes back to mental health, right? Everything just always. Yeah. Um, and, and if you can, don't get a credit card, get a, get a credit debit card. For right. example, TD Bank has them, their Visa debit they cards, and you're just spending the money that you have Correct. versus spending Correct. on credit. Correct. And um, a lot of people are very um, strongly recommending that you do a chart of your spending money, how you're spending your money. Mm-hmm. So you can go on your phone, like in your notes app, and write down, okay, so the coffee was, you know, $4.50, uh, lunch was $13, then I went and I picked up a shirt that I needed for work, that was $8, and I picked up whatever, a book, and the book was $25, and just have a list of everything you spent on Monday, and then go to the next thing, everything you spent on Tuesday, and everything you spent on Wednesday, and everything, and when you think back and you just keep doing it. Just make a routine. Just, you know, Monday, the first, this is what I spent Tuesday, the second, this is what I spent and just keep a journal of it. And you can keep it written in a notebook in your, in your purse, if you want, or however you want to journal it, but journal your finances, because you're going to find the little tiny habits are the ones that are going to kill you at the end. Yeah. Right. So we go back to the atomic habit and it could be that coffee that you're buying. It could be those books that you're buying that are $25 as opposed to maybe getting it on Amazon for like yeah. 9 You know, I remember, I remember, sorry, not, not to cut you off, but I remember you even saying like way back when that you had, you had like an epiphany, like all the money that you were spending on Starbucks. Supporting <laughs> them. I was for, well, I had totally added up and you, we had this whole conversation and you had to like, what you were spending on Starbucks. They're habits. They're habits. And I actually ended up purchasing a really, really nice Nespresso machine with a frother um, and buying good quality coffee so that I can have that same experience of the the coffee itself, but at home. And so it was a big investment at first, but it paid off by not buying those coffees in three months. I got my money back. Yeah, you dropped like $20. You spend like $20 every time you go to Starbucks. That, that adds up. Easily. I could not walk into a Starbucks without my three kids and mom wanting something. Yeah. It was like, what? Or even and, living living in New York City, there it's very hard to spend less than $10 when you're going out for lunch during the workday. You're pro- yeah. So you, it's hard. So you just, even making your lunch a couple days during a week or every day during a week, it's going to really cut costs. You know, it's funny. I just sent um, my girls all of my girls. So the, my three daughters and then my two nieces, Chloe and Christy, and I sent them a Valentine's day card. Cause I feel like I'm so far now. Uh, and inside I sent each one of them a little heart that says like, I love you, but it, the little heart was a gift card to Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy that I put, I just wanted them to have like a drink on Valentine's day, a coffee, a frap or whatever. And I thought, 
it's just a drink, but I gave them 10 bucks because if you get a venti frap and you add anything to it, that's 10 bucks right there. Yep. So, so much money. It is. It's a lot of money. It adds up. And if you want to have, you know, the oat milk as opposed to regular milk, that's extra. If you want to have an extra shot, that's extra. If you want a pump of this or that's extra, it's like, damn, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so I think journaling your finances could make a big difference. Um, number two is how to balance a checkbook. And so if you're younger, you're a millennial, you probably don't use checks or checkbook very often. I used to write checks when I was younger and managing my monthly budget, but not so much anymore. However, it's still an essential personal financial skill to know how to do so. It can really help you learn how to manage your money, how much is in your checking account um, and what they charge you for overdraft fees. So it's key because so many people use debit cards now. And you just spend and spend and spend. And then you're not keeping track of how much you have in the bank and how much you're taking out. Whereas when you had a checkbook, you wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And, and now you have you. now yeah. you have the bank apps. Log on there in the morning after, you know, while you're having breakfast, sitting there, just log on, check how much money you have, what came out, what didn't come out when it was supposed to. Absolutely. Budget, how much are you going to spend that day if you're going to spend money? Yeah. And, you know, make sure you set that notification to block overdraft fees. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. And and have it where it can automatically pull from your savings if if you have an overdraft so you don't get charged. Yeah. So I think some of the banks are charging. They'll charge you like $5 or $2 to transfer it. Oh, yeah, yeah. when you need it. But that beats the $35 they're charging you if it's overdraft. Yep. So, but again, if you're mindful and you're keeping track of it, it won't happen because you'll know, oof, I'm going to be 40 bucks short. Let me transfer 50. Um, I recommend having a few checks handy if the circumstance ever comes to that, that you might need to write a check for somebody. If you're not using a checkbook and you're using banking apps, make sure that you keep tabs on what's in your account. Also, where budgeting matters. So everything we just spoke about and I, um, is- also, wait and also the i don't know if you're going to list this in in what you're saying but the uh cash app so cash app zillow uh, not zillow um cash app yeah. paypal um what are the other ones venmo, Zelle, venmo. yeah mm-hmm. zell zell's directly from your account but the other ones are separate from your account keep tabs 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 of those too because you might have to like venmo somebody some money and you might not have anything in there and those things are connected to your bank account. So just like be mindful of those two. I, I want to add to that too. If you have something like Venmo, keep it on private. If you mm. don't have it on private, keep it on private. <laughs> because a lot of what you're Venmoing your friends, if you did your hair and you Venmo this girl, or you did your nails and you Venmo somebody else and you did somebody, a lot of hackers out there can really see where your habits are and how you're spending your money. And it makes it easier for them to go in and take the money through those um, avenues. Yeah. So nobody should see who you're paying for what when it's Venmo. It should be private. Yeah, I don't know why they have like a social feed. That's just like, why? It's so unnecessary. Like you need everybody to see the emojis you're using? Like why? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't get that. And, and in a business perspective, I see it because... If you see that Mary Jane is constantly paying Lulu 
for hair. And all of a sudden, you're constantly seeing Lulu, which is like, man, Lulu might be good. Maybe I should go do my hair with her because I see all these other people cash apping her or, you know, demoing her for hair products. So maybe that was the mindset originally that it would kind of encourage you to use to find other people that somebody else is using like through community yeah but when you have financials attached i just don't think it's smart i think it should be private that's just my personal opinion i agree with you on that i might sound old school to some people listening but yeah yeah i agree so number three uh is the budgeting basics budgeting can be tedious and annoying that's a fact but it's such an essential skill to develop early and can save you future financial headaches. Focus on budgeting first when you start financial charges, but pay attention to all of the details that come in place. Create a system, create a habit. So we go back to small habits. You should have budget in your personal financial basics, and it should master everything from your bills, your living expenses, and your spending money most importantly on your savings. So this would mean that you know that your paycheck is going to be $500, right? Let's keep it super basic math, $500. So your $500, you have $200 in rent, you have $100 in utilities, and you have another $100 in all of your um, expenses, right? With food, um, what is that? <laughs> food, um, transportation, et cetera, et cetera, that you might have all the different expenses. Keep in mind that savings has to be a priority. And I tell you this as a retired woman, I retired at 50, I retired comfortably, and it all had to do with the small habits we instilled when we were very, very young when we were getting a portion of the money that was coming in and we were saving it. And while everybody said, well, you have the money, we would say, no, we don't have it, but you have it in savings. Yep, that's savings. But so you have it. No, we don't. That's savings. And that took a lot of discipline and a lot of butting heads with a lot of people. We knew we could afford the trips that everybody else was taking if we grabbed the savings. We knew we could buy the nicer cars that all our friends had but it was in savings. We knew so many things, but we were very, very strong about keeping the savings. And now all of our friends that had all the trips and they had all the cars are all still working. And Mm. now we're using the savings. Yeah. Wade and I, Wade and I are experiencing that right now. Like we have family members, we hang out all the time and they're always going on trips and stuff. And, and we have a nice chunk of savings that we're not touching. It's all an investment and we're not touching it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so we don't have it. We don't have the money. You know, we just exactly. can't afford exactly. it. And we, you know, we taught our girls. That was key to us because um, neither Billy nor I came from money. We, we came from nothing and we struggled. Um, so we knew the power of saving. So we always told them, you know, X amount of your budget, of your money that's coming in has to go to savings. It has to. It's just like paying the electricity bill. Mm-hmm. It's got to go to savings. And that money is sacred. It's not yours. The minute you put it in savings, and we didn't even allow them to invest. Investing would be a different category. This is just savings. Mm-hmm. It's got to be in there. Then you have an investment. Um, so they're all different, but it's the only way that you can ensure some kind of financial freedom later. 
Yeah, and, so, if, and, and it, it will be harder for people who are living paycheck to paycheck. So a lot of the young people coming up who can't afford the extra stuff. But if you know you and your friends are going out for a beer or you might stop for that $3 coffee in, in New York City or whatever, whatever you're doing extra, mm-hmm. you don't have to do. There's yeah. a choice. And I can tell you that it's way simpler to have it done um, through your employer if you work for somebody that that money's taken out and put like, for example, when they're going to direct deposit, you can actually have the choice and say direct deposit, uh, 95% of the money I make, cause I need it right to live every single month or every single week to my checking account, the 5% goes to savings. So it really never comes to you. It's never in your checking account. So you hmm. forget it's even there. So it's a mental thing. It's a psychological so, thing. Yeah. So you're really going to use only what's tangible, what you have in front of you. And if you don't have that extra 5%, you're going to forget it's there. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And another trick is also not, um, so don't connect your checking and your savings. Oh no. Because it'd yeah. be so easy. I know with the, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about it with the over fee, the overdraft fees, but mm-hmm. it could be so easy to transfer money from your savings to your checking if you're not disappointed. So. And that savings should be sacred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe you have a cushion on the savings that you have with your checking, but you have in a completely different bank that's not related, your actual savings. Um, you know, and savings can be so powerful because you can have a little fund, at, not to take away from what you're going to save for when you get older, but if you want to go on a trip and you know that you want to go to Cabo, you know, next summer with all your girlfriends, start a little fund just for Cabo. So every time you get paid, put 20 bucks on that little envelope that says Cabo. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did that many, many times. I knew I wanted to go and, and spend like a week with my girls in New York. And I would put like 50 bucks, 50 bucks every time. Every two weeks, I'd put 50 bucks. And all of a sudden, when the trip came a year later, man, I was falling with money when I got there. <laughs> I had all my money because I would take 50 before I did anything. I said, oh, my New York trip, there went that, my savings, there went that, and then you manage the rest however you can, okay, Mm -hmm. I need to buy food, I need to buy this, I need to buy that, and it stops you from spending because you don't have it, because you already put it away, so there's just so so many tricks to money, Um, and let's talk about number four, which is how to establish and fix credit, so here's what I found in this article, this might be one of my top personal financial basics, and I hope everyone can master. No matter how your feelings towards the credit scoring system is, building good credit is so essential. It can truly affect your ability to rent an apartment, buy a house, get car, get a car, etc. Your bad credit scores can haunt you for life, mm. but there is hope. You can always fix your low credit score, but everyone should understand how it works how you can fix the mistake, how you can increase your score, and more importantly, how to maintain good credit score, and later on, how to continue monitoring. There are many free accounts out there and free platforms that will help you check your credit score. And there's tons of them, but one example would be that Credit Karma. Mm -hmm. And these constantly give you tips and allow you to apply for credit cards that have better interest rates. So it goes right back. So don't dismiss credit score and say, oh, I don't care. It matters. 
And if it doesn't matter to you right now, maybe it's because you're not making a big purchase, but it will matter later. So make sure, you know, um, that you keep track of that. Number five is investments, investing and the stock market basics. Mm -hmm. Age 30, you should know these. So don't be intimidated or scared to invest your money in the stock market. It's an essential part of your finances in building wealth and in securing your future retirement. Again, just spoke about that. Start with the very basics of investing, how it works, what a 401k is, what an IRA is, etc. Then move on to managing your investment portfolio and what that maintenance may look like. You can learn on your own via investing book or websites, or you can reach out to someone you know who you can trust and has been investing for years. You don't need to become the next famous investor like Warren Buffett. You shouldn't, but you should be very savvy on how you're investing your money. So I think this is huge. And I think this takes you back to asking those that you feel have accomplished something. And, and that's huge. So if you have a family member, a friend, um, somebody that knows somebody, that has done very well with investments. Those are the people you really want to reach out and they can kind of, you know, go through the basics with you. But don't, don't um, dismiss it because it seems hard to understand. It can be really crucial for you to invest. And this is really talking about um, 401ks, IRAs and things like that. But nowadays there's so many other ways of investing um, digitally that, you know, just keep researching. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And crypto, uh, cur- crypto is a really big thing right now. And I feel like a lot of Gen Zers are very up on the NFT, the NFT, um, thing and also cryptocurrencies again, do your research, you know, what, know what platforms you're using. If you're using Coinbase, Robinhood, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I I think that one of the reasons why, and I was doing a lot of research on this, one of the reasons why it is highly recommending the stock market basics as opposed to crypto and as opposed to anything uh, that's new is because that is guaranteed by the banks right now. So your basic investment is always safe regardless. Well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I, I think that's where they're coming from, where with the crypto, it's not. Yeah. So, yeah. so banks are, banks uh, regulate uh, stock market, right? But their banks are not regulating crypto. Correct. And there's a reason why, like the, right. the crypto uh, platforms, the blockchains, they don't want banks regulating any of that. And that's why a lot of governments like the U.S. government right now is having a hard time with that. Um a lot of other governments don't want crypto to just be free balling it, so to say. They want banks to regulate it. And they want that for a reason, because they want to be able to make money off the crypto. They want to have regulations put in place, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of younger people, a lot of people up and coming in the, in, in, in the crypto, they don't want it at all. Right. And, and so I, it is the way of the future. Mm-hmm. And sure we all understand that. We'll know it is a way of the future. It's just like when they didn't want the 
the web to go up, right? When they exactly. the internet to go up because exactly, and they then you know, too much information. Yep, and then crypto is hosted on a server, which is a blockchain, and blockchains they're managed by many different servers, many different people. So to regulate it, you have to put it in one spot, and it's just you know, it's not like, like the that. man has the power. Yes, There's exactly, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's definitely the way of the future. So just keep it in mind and, you know, be wise about it. Have the conversations with those that you know that that know about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Managing your debt. So we kind of talked about it, but I want to read what they said here. So I'm going to kind of go through this kind of quick because we have a lot with, with the finances. So at some point you may have debt, whether that is from a student loan, credit card, mortgage, or something else, it's essential that you learn how to manage it from day one. The goal here is to understand how your debt works, what the interest rates are, and how to pay it off faster, as well as how to avoid future high interest debt altogether. Understand why paying the minimum every month can drag out payments and cost you money, as well as various debt payoff techniques. Um, to that one, I'm going to add every single time that we purchased the home, we paid it off in half the time. So instead of paying it off in, we got a 30-year loan, but we would pay it off in 15. And the way we did that was by breaking down um, our monthly and paying extra every single month. Mm-hmm. And our daughters, right, they're way younger and, you know, they live paycheck to paycheck because they're young and this is they're just starting out and we make sure that we tell them instead of paying the rent once a month and one check break it down and pay it twice in half and half because there are more weeks in the year and at the end of it all you end up if you pay it every two weeks every time you get paid you pay half of your rent you end up paying a full i think it's a full month by the end of 12 months. Oh. So you yeah. paid 13 months in 12 yeah. months by paying every time you get paid. That's awesome. Every two weeks. So there's so many different tricks out there. Do some research because there are ways that by doing the same thing you're doing, but knowing how to do it, you can minimize. Um, employee benefits. Most companies, and depending who you work for, will have additional perks that you may not realize exist. Or you may think just to be overlooking or you might just be overlooking them since your employer will give you a ton of paperwork right when you start. However, it's important you read their documents in detail and reach out to HR about all your benefits so that you can make the most of it and utilize them all. Mm-hmm. There could be discounts on specific things like training, reimbursements, uh, putting money back in your pocket. So ask your HR, ask your employer what the benefits are. Are they putting anything for retirement for you? Do they reimburse you maybe for uh, clothing, for electricity, if you're working from home? Do they supply uh, the technology for you? You know, are they giving you the computers? Um, There's so many different things. So look into all of that. Every penny counts. Yep. Number eight, spend less than you earn. That's a no brainer. And one of the biggest problems people have. You should spend less than you earn. Most people will fall into this trap of finance without even realizing it. 
if you really respect living within your means or you pay attention to your spending habits, you can quickly rack up debt and have little money to save. I'm sorry, like I said that backwards. It's if you don't. So let me repeat that. If you don't really respect living within your means or pay attention to your spending habits, you can quickly rack up debt and have little money to save. This concept is preached in every major financial publication, but as simple as it is, it's very important and integral in your mind. So you need to live below your means and avoid a lifestyle creeping in order to maintain financial security. Managing your net worth. When you think of your personal finances, you should also be monitoring your net worth too. Your net worth is the value of assets minus the total of your current liabilities. So previously, calculating on your own may look a little bit of, like a little bit of work, but luckily there is technology that can help you easily manage this. Even if your net worth negative because of debt, it's okay. You should be monitoring it either way. And so <clears throat> here's a super basic, basic thing. Some people get confused to what is net. And an easy way of remembering this is if you go fishing and you grab a net and you grab the fish and you lift it, net is what you have left over after all the crap falls out. Mm. So if net is what you have after they took out your taxes, after they took out social security, after they took out everything, net is what you're going to walk away with. So it's whatever's in the net. So that's just a simple way of remembering it. That's a great, great analogy. So remember to keep track of what you owe and what you make. Try to stay within your living means and within your budget. Those are key. Then there is a value in building the emergency fund. We spoke about that, how, how important that is, especially later on. And of course, we always say you don't touch it, you don't touch it, but life happens. Mm-hmm. And there's a terrible accident or you can't work or you have to take care of a loved one that's going through some kind of an emergency and you need to touch it, then it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But the goal is that we try to keep it. Understand your paycheck and how your paycheck works. Uh, The breakdown, what are they taking money for? And what are they doing with the money that they're taking out? Find out because there are little hidden things that they could be doing there that shouldn't be there. Learn how to buy a home. You should learn how to buy a home Definitely by age 30, not that you should have a home or that you need to purchase a home, but you should know the basics on how purchasing a home works, Um, even if you don't have intentions of purchasing one soon after. Um, Nobody becomes a financial guru overnight, but understanding the personal financial basics and having mastered them through following money skills will set you up to improve your financial wellness. So I wanna kind of wrap this up to when we spoke about uh, goal setting. So in goal setting, your financial has to be a priority. You have your health, you have um, your listening to yourself, you have your mental health, right? Your physical health and the mental health, and then you have your financial health. And although money cannot buy happiness, and we're all very clear of that, and there are people that have nothing that are very happy and people that have a lot of wealth and are very unhappy, it gives you peace of mind to not have to add 
financial burden to stressful living. I think the world gives you enough to stress about than to have to add financial burden to it. So if you can organize, you know, clean eating, uh, great um, habits, include financial knowledge as one of your priorities. Understand your money. Try to make the most out of your money. Try to learn about it. When we, when Priya and I talk about self-help books, a financial book might be a great way, you know, of learning about it. Um, listen to people that have done it. Sue, I think it's Susan Orman. Sue, Sue Orman, but I don't really like her. I don't know. <laughs> so you, I don't really like her. you may not like her. I get that. I, I don't personally care for her, um, for her style, I guess. But the facts that she gives, you know, numbers are facts and facts are facts. And, and she has good knowledge and she's made a lot of money. Um, so, you know, she teaches a lot of basics, which is great. Learn the basics in whatever way. I am sure there's a million people out there. Just make sure that you, you know um, the credibility of the person that you're listening to. Because, you know, again, there are a dime a dozen that are going to tell you a million things. Mm -hmm. um, Priya and I are by no means financial advisors. We just talk about our experiences and, you know, what we feel worked for us or didn't work for us. Find your own knowledge, do research on it. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a whole package of where you should be by age 30. So that was really amazing, Mercy. Thank you for all those tidbits about domestic and financial stuff. Um, now it's time to click on the last episode of this series. So this is the I'm Speaking Podcast with Mercy and Priya. Okay, we'll talk to you at the wrap-up.